0: Hello, and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm your host, Victoria Horn, and on this month's episode, it's the Scare Your Pants Off special, where we feature the best in spooky, scary literature, But my relationship to horror would be entitled The Diary of a Wimpy Reader, (laughs) and I needed someone to hold my hand through this episode. So I am joined today by the fearless, the formidable, the freakishly fantastic Scout.
1: Hello, I'm very (laughs) flattered and excited to be here. (laughs)
0: So, Scout and I have been working together here at Odell since
1: last year, but this
0: year we really got to know each other and started hanging out outside of work, and we've become really good friends. Yay. (laughs) So, would you like to tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you do here at Odell?
1: Certainly. I am a mother of two highly energetic boys. (laughs) I enjoy gardening, tending to my chickens, and of course, reading. My love of reading is rather recent, only since last summer. When a library aid position opened up at Odell last fall, I thought it would be the perfect way to embrace my new hobby and re-enter the workforce. If you visit the library, you'll probably find me scanning books behind the desk or zooming around the stacks. She
0: zooms. (laughs) So Scout also willingly consumes horror books no matter what time of year it is. So I was thinking about the perfect person to help me with a spooky scary Halloween episode. And you are the first person to come to mind.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I hope I can provide everyone with some proper spine-tingling reads.
0: I think you'll uh, be better at it than I am. (laughs) (laughs) So join me and Scout as we light the proverbial black flame candle and summon the spirits of some thrilling, chilling novels for your October reading list. We'll also go over the October book order, check in on Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge, and provide you with some literary Halloween costume ideas. And lastly, on this month's V's verses, I will be conjuring some spooky poem recommendations and hopefully bewitching you with an original poem I wrote for the Halloween season. So if you want to survive this podcast episode, don't go down there don't leave your door unlocked, and for the love of God, don't split up. Stay with us. First, of course, we have some announcements, and you won't want to miss these. We've got some good ones. Don't forget to save the date for the Odell Public Library Friends mini book and bake sale from 9am to 2pm on Saturday, November 5th in the Odell Program Room. Due to construction and space limitations, this year's sale will be smaller than usual, but you can expect the same excellent selection of hardcover and paperback books and some tasty treats to boot. So there's no set pricing, all books and baked goods will be available for a donation, and all proceeds will go toward new furniture for Odell. So if you would like to donate books for the sale, the friends are asking that donations be limited to one box or bag of books, in excellent condition, with a published date after the year 2000. As usual, they will not be accepting encyclopedias, old textbooks, or, of course, dirty, musty, mildewy materials. Donations of baked goods cannot require refrigeration and should be labeled with any allergens and packaged the way that they are intended to be sold. You can drop off baked goods between 8 and 9 a.m. on November 5th. We hope you'll come out to support the Friends of Odell at this fan-favorite event.
1: Odell is putting together a fall tale trail that will be displayed at Kelly Park. What's a tale trail? Often called a story walk, a tail trail is a book separated onto signs and spaced out along a walking path. It's the perfect combination of literacy and exercise, benefiting the body and the mind. This season's book is Room on the Broom by Julia Donaldson. A delightful rhyming story featuring a friendly witch, a dangerous dragon, and the power of friendship. Keep an eye on Odell's social media for more info on when the story will be ready to read.
0: Due to the book and bake sale, there will be no Lego Club in November, but the club will pick back up on the first Saturday of December.
1: Join Miss Katie in person for stories, songs, and rhymes each Thursday evening from 7 to 7.30 p.m. Storytime is a free drop-in program designed especially for preschoolers but open to all. Feel free to come a little early to explore in the play kitchen or come in your jammies and snuggle up for some stories.
0: And I forgot to mention last month (laughs) as well that we have started up Pokemon Club and Magic the Gathering, so both of those are the third Saturday of the month. Pokemon Club is from 10 till 11.30 for all ages, and Magic the Gathering is from noon to 3pm for ages 10 to adult. So it's time to go over our October book order. And I realized that I should probably remind you that every month we print several copies of our book order for the month and put them on the front desk next to our cash register so you can take a look at every single title we'll be ordering for our adult, young adult, junior, and easy sections. You will also find the form to adopt a book at Odell, which allows you to pay $15 and you get first read and your name or that of a loved one on the inside cover. So you can adopt a book from the book order or request a title of your choosing. So in adult nonfiction, we've got a couple of new titles that I think will be of interest. So we've got Waxing On, The Karate Kid and Me by Ralph Macchio. I recommended we get this. I'm sure there are many Ralph Macchio fans out there. Um, (laughs) And then we've got The Extraordinary Life of an Ordinary Man by Paul Newman. And in adult fiction... October is always a really big month for publishing, so we've got lots of new titles from popular authors, including David Baldacci, Terry Brooks, Patricia Cornwell, Heather Graham, Ellen Hildebrand, Colleen Hoover, John Irving, Barbara Kingsolver, Cormac McCarthy, Celeste Ng, James Patterson, Jodi Pickold, Veronica Roth, John Sanford. Danielle Steele, and Stuart Woods. And we start this month with some more Christmas titles. So we've got fan favorites, Donna Andrews, Debbie McComber, Susan Mallory, and David Rosenfeld. And I also feel like this is the part of the podcast where it's like watching the slowest scroll of school names across the screen on the morning on a snow day and praying that your school is on there. Maybe your favorite author is in there. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> but of course, check the book order for a complete list of titles because we could go on forever about all of those here. So, And Scout, would you like to take over for the young adult and kids sections?
1: I sure would. For young adult fiction, we have The First to Die at the End by Adam Silvera.
0: Which is the prequel to They Both Die at the End. Lots of kids waiting for that one, I
1: think. (laughs) For junior nonfiction, we have the ultimate unofficial encyclopedia for Minecrafters, Minecraft Earth. I think that will be a popular one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we have DK Eyewitness Books, Vietnam War. For junior fiction, we have Bad Kitty Gets a Phone by Nick Rule. The first two books in the Minecraft Stone Sword saga, Crack in the Code and Mobs Rule by Nick Eliopoulos. Diaper Overload, which is Diary of a Wimpy Kid, number 17 by Jeff Kinney. Skander and the Unicorn Thief by A.F. Stedman.
0: That one, I think, was on the Barnes & Noble um, Best of list that just came out as well. Oh. So, interested to see what that one's about.
1: And then for easy fiction, we have Pig the Rebel by Aaron Blaby. Chester Van Chime, Who Forgot How to Rhyme by Avery Monson. We have Blue Bison Needs a Haircut by Scott Rothman and Pick a Pumpkin by Patricia Tott.
0: (laughs) As always, you can put holds on any of those titles by using your Prairie Cat app or website, or of course you can call or come in and we can help you put a hold on those here. So for a read harder check-in on the Book Riot List. Every year, the website compiles a list of 24 tasks to challenge readers to explore settings, characters, formats, genres, and perspectives they might not otherwise have tried. So you can find the 2022 list on bookriot.com or follow the link in the show notes. And this month, I'm hopefully going to be tackling two more challenges. So, challenge number 10, which is read a political thriller by a marginalized author. And the book that I have chosen is By Way of Sorrow by Robin Giggle, and she is a trans lawyer herself, and the book follows the story of a trans attorney, so I'm really interested to see how her experiences have influenced the story itself. I think it'll be really illuminating. And then challenge number 19, read a horror novel by a black indigenous person of color author. And I have chosen The Ghost Bride* by Yang Zi Chu, which I knew nothing about. But when I was looking at all of our like horror lists, looking at what I could read this month for this podcast episode, that one stuck out to me. Sounds really creepy. like, <laughs> And it goes into a lot of Chinese folklore and things. So I'm really interested to check that one out. it's time for the main event we're going to be talking about some horror thrillers and ghost stories so would you like to go first scout as you are the expert and i defer to you
1: (laughs) i would love to so i'm going to start with a stephen king book
0: oh shocker my
1: favorite author (laughs) my first recommendation is the mist by stephen king If you enjoy a good apocalypse, then this is the book for you.
0: Who doesn't love a good apocalypse?
1: (laughs) One of my all-time favorites takes place in small-town Maine through the eyes of David Drayton. As a thick fog engulfs the town, David must find a way to survive the creatures lurking within it. This book is my favorite because Stephen King paints such a picture of the creatures David is faced with. I think it would be interesting to doodle my own interpretations and compare them to others. I'm sure the results would be very different. I would love to see those pictures when Mm -hmm. you're done with them. (laughs) When did you read that for the first time? I think it's been a couple years since I first picked up that book. Hmm. Um,
0: Was it the first Stephen King you read?
1: No, it was not the first Stephen King I've read.
0: (laughs) Are you recommending the
1: first one you read? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll leave that as a surprise then. <laughs> I actually have never read any Stephen King and I meant to I wanted to get to the mist before we did the podcast, but I got a little um, a little scared and bogged down by <laughs> no,
1: That's okay. I have other recommendations for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will I do want to get to it eventually though, since it's your favorite and it's the one that like when I was looking up, Horror picks The Mist was on like most of the yes. list. So,
1: yep, it's a good one.
0: And it sounds like it's more atmospheric than maybe like jump scary or oh, that yeah. kind of thing. I would have to agree with yeah. that. So, that's more up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, and we're doing a spook rating for all of our books so that if you're not into horror or if you're really into horror and you only want to read the scariest of the scary, then you can
1: know. So out
0: of 10, what's your spook rating?
1: My spook rating for The Mist is 7 out of 10 Nightmare Monsters.
0: So I think I'll start out with the book that I am currently about halfway through. And it's funny, I was shelving books the other day, and I remembered looking at this cover and being really intrigued. And it's like gorgeous. It's such a Gothic looking cover. (laughs) Very creepy. (laughs) It's like a hair with a bunch of like red, poisonous looking mushrooms. It's called What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher. It's a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe's Fall of the House of Usher. And I had just checked this book out and Meredith texted me, oh, I forgot to recommend you what moves the dead and I was like oh my gosh I just checked it out (laughs) so (laughs) we have been talking about it as I have been going through it and I love it so much so I went to Libby and put a hold on the original source material so I went and read Poe's story because I don't think I had read that short story I think I had only read like the raven and the mask of the red death I think so I read all of the house of usher Very good. If you love the traditional, like, gothic, creepy manor houses, rainy moors, like that kind of thing, that is 100% where you're going to find it. (laughs) He's, you know, a classic for a reason. So I have been loving this retelling of the story. The original story is pretty short. It only took me, like, a couple of hours to read it and T. Kingfisher has really been fleshing out some details, changing a lot of the characters. Um, So the main character is a retired soldier and it's funny how the author deals with, she kind of brings up gender into it, but it's in like a really subtle way and an interesting method. So she kind of brings up the idea of non-binary gender but she uses it in a way that is related to the military and it's not like the main focus of it, which I really like. I like that it's sort of background detail and you kind of see the way that the people around them react to it, but it's also not the main focus. It's just part of who the character is. Yeah. So it's really good, and I'm obsessed with the <laughs> the like second character that you meet is Beatrix Potter's aunt, who is like really into mushroom hunting and stuff, which Meredith and one of her daughters are really obsessed with Beatrix Potter. So <laughs> I can't wait to talk to her about it after I'm done. Um, but she's fantastic. I want to be here when I grow up. (laughs) She's just wandering around the moors, just like drawing watercolors of mushrooms and saying that it's a travesty that she's not allowed into the mycology society because she's a woman. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait to see. I think she'll have more of a feature in the book as I keep going on. But I'm realizing I never said what the main spookiness of it is. Oh. It's that. <laughs> so the main character receives word that their childhood friend, Madeline Usher, is dying. She requests that this soldier stays at the ancestral home of the Ushers in the remote countryside. And there's, you know, horrible, like, Fungi (laughs) growing everywhere, possessed wildlife, and a really creepy lake. And Madeline, like, sleepwalks, and she speaks in, like, weird voices. I'm only getting to, like, the main spookiness now. And I had to stop the other night because (laughs) I came downstairs, and we have, like, an automated vacuum so it was <laughs> it was going around in the kitchen, and we have these old wooden pocket doors, so they kind of rattle in their, like, sleeves. And so they were closed, and the Roomba, like, bumped into it, and it, oh, like, no. made a huge noise, and I jumped out of my skin, and my parents were like, Victoria, it's literally just the vacuum. <laughs> You've heard this a million times. They're like, you don't understand what I've just been reading. <laughs> so, spook reading... Um, Meredith and I were discussing this and she said that it's more horrifying than scary, which her husband says is the same thing, but I disagree. Horrifying is like gross. Scary is like your nerves are like shredded when you're done reading it, you know? And I agree that it's gross. So, (laughs) (laughs) but also scary. (laughs) So she said probably in a... 7 or 8 out of 10. So I'm giving it an 8 out of 10 foul stinking mushrooms, like 100%.
1: That's up there. (laughs) So good. (laughs) All right, what's your next pick? So this is kind of a different style of author I've um, come to discover. This book is called Darkness on the Edge of Town by Brian Keene. Yet another apocalypse book, Darkness on the Edge of Town, details a small town nightmare in Virginia. We follow Robbie, who struggles to understand why his town is surrounded by a wall of dense blackness. Uh There's no communication with the outside world, and people start to panic. (laughs) Chaos ensues, and Robbie must try to find a way to survive, and maybe even escape. You have to go into the darkness then. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what's out there. (laughs) I enjoyed this book because it has a good balance of fear in several different aspects. We have the fear of our once friendly neighbors, turning desperate and willing to do anything to survive. Truly terrifying. (laughs) Very. And then we have the fear of the unknown, the shadows that lurk within the blackness that try to lure people to their demise. Oh, gosh. I will say it has an unexpected ending that took me a while to come to terms with, but I thoroughly enjoyed the ride overall. Is this the one that kind of leaves on a
0: cliffhanger kind of Yep. Thing?
1: This book, I think, will upset some readers in the way that it ends, mm. but ultimately, I think it is a good read.
0: I, th- I feel like one of the tropes of like horror movies is that, you know, the spookiness is resolved but then I feel like a lot of movies end with or is it like is it really over is that kind of what they're going for
1: I believe so I tend to enjoy the resolution of a book yeah I don't want to come up with it on my own no (laughs) let the author be the creative one (laughs) but this one will kind of have you deciding your own ending and Mm. some people may enjoy that others like myself probably won't yeah (laughs) all
0: right what's your spook rating
1: my spook rating for darkness on the edge of town is about a five out of ten lurking shadows middle of the road yeah probably my sweet there's a little (laughs) bit of gore in there
0: (laughs) oh i guess we haven't we didn't calibrate our um scale so what's a five for you is probably like a six or seven for me yeah but (laughs) but that's you know Any rating system. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So I think I'll go into a middle grade. I would consider this to be horror. He's a lot of people's, you know, first foray into horror as a child. I did not read this book when I was a child. I guess I'll tell you what I'm talking about first. It's Coraline by Neil Gaiman- One of the literary giants in terms of spooky, scary books. And this is a junior fiction novel. So targeted towards middle grade, junior high age. And I read this book in college, or I tried to rather, without knowing anything about it. Because I wanted to read it first before I saw the movie. And I was extremely creeped out and I could not finish it. Like, (laughs) so much of a wimp I am. But it is really, like, off-putting, the concept of it but it's so good. I, I know that it's controversial in the reader world to watch the movie first, but I did that and I felt better when I went back to read it because I knew what was kind of expected. And Okay, so I'll just read from the inside cover. In Coraline's family's new flat, there are 21 windows and 14 doors. 13 of the doors open and close. The 14th is locked. And on the other side is only a brick wall until the day Corline unlocks the door to find a passage to another flat in another house just like her own. Only it's different. At first, things seem marvelous in the other flat. The food is better, the toy box is filled with wind up angels that flutter around the bedroom, books whose pictures writhe and crawl and shimmer, little dinosaur skulls that chatter their teeth. But there's another mother and another father, and they want Coraline to stay with them and be their little girl. They want to change her and never let her go. Other children are trapped there as well, lost souls behind the mirrors. Coraline is their only hope of rescue. She'll have to fight with all her wits and all the tools she can find if she is to save the lost children, her ordinary life, and herself. It's interesting reading this book as an adult and seeing where children think that their parents are neglectful of them. And to me, these parents are preoccupied with the chaos of life and they're doing their best for Coraline, but they're also working and trying to get things done and she feels neglected, which is valid. Yes. But it's also interesting as an adult being like, it is hard when you have little ones running around, even as someone without children myself. I know Scout feels this. Yes. (laughs) As much as you love your little boys, it's hard to get things done. Yeah. And Coraline thinks this world is so great and it's easy to lure her there because these other parents are solely there to cater to her every whim and she doesn't think well why is that right it's so sinister
1: i will have to admit that i didn't know a single thing about coraline oh, really? until you just spoke about it <laughs> i knew of it but it definitely does seem like it would be a good read
0: oh I, you would love it <laughs> have you seen the movie
1: i have not seen the
0: movie you should watch the movie okay. after you read the book <laughs>
1: yeah You'll never look at buttons
0: ever again, like, the same way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie, there are differences, like, pretty significant differences, but I think that it makes sense from a filmmaking perspective. And there, it, there is a doll involved, always oh, with the okay. doll, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and my sister makes the most amazing Coraline-esque dolls. Oh, my gosh. So she made... A doll of me for Christmas one no year. Way. It's so good. I meant to bring it today, but I'll, I'll have to show you another yeah. time. I ha- I struggled with the spook rating for this one because the concepts are really creepy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'll really creep some people out. Obviously, seeing as I read this in my twenties and <laughs> couldn't finish it, but <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it like a solid seven out of ten black button okay i won't tell you where the buttons go but (laughs) oh (laughs) that sounds really bad anyway (laughs) uh, (laughs) highly recommend oh also the back cover has an amazing review from the author of the series of unfortunate events by Lemony snicket this book tells a fascinating and disturbing story that frightened me nearly to death Unless you want to find yourself hiding under your bed with your thumb in your mouth, trembling with fear and making terrible noises, I suggest that you step very slowly away from this book and go find another source of amusement, such as investigating an unsolved crime or making a small animal out of yarn. He's amazing.
1: (laughs) I think I would have to feel very flattered if I were Neil Gaiman. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so let's throw another Stephen King out there. (laughs) This one was actually my first read. Uh, Carrie. I think
0: we've all heard of this (laughs) one. but
1: (laughs) I did the right thing, and I read the book first. (laughs) Shade thrown. (laughs) So in this book, we get to teleport back to our school years and read about Carrie White, a 16-year-old girl who was forced to endure a miserable high school career. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Carrie is constantly ridiculed by her classmates. On top of that, she has an unstable home life with her mother punishing her for simply growing into her adult body, for Mm -hmm. example. But Carrie has the power of telekinesis. And after a disastrous prom, Carrie begins to use her power for revenge. I didn't actually know that piece of this. Really? That she had telekinesis. Mm -mm. I don't know if you could handle it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not one to shy away from gore, so I really enjoyed all the gruesome pictures Stephen King was able to paint for me. I also feel like we can all relate to Carrie in some way. Hmm. Maybe not to the same extreme, but most of us are able to understand the anxiousness and awkwardness of those pesky teenage years. Oh yeah, I watched and enjoyed both of the movies, though not to the same extent. I'm definitely one for accuracy, and I pointed out every little thing that didn't match the book. <laughs> But I think that's pretty typical.
0: Oh, yeah. Most book lovers will tell you every, like, down to the detail, what's, yeah. <laughs> especially if you love the story, which clearly you <clears throat> did.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, I think one of the bigger issues I had is in the book, Carrie is detailed as, like, a heavier set girl. Mm. And in both of the movies, she was very thin. Mm. And I feel like that took away from uh, some of the reasons that she was struggling yeah. and being bullied. Right, uh, But I am also all for representing everybody of different body right. types. Uh, so I wish the movies would have stayed true to the book in that sense. Yeah.
0: Well, and that also illuminates like one of the major things that kids get bullied for yes. is the way that their body looks. Which yeah. still applies to, you know, it doesn't matter what size you are. People will still find stuff to nitpick about.
1: Well, I think it's also nice uh for people to have representation oh, in movies absolutely. as well.
0: Well, especially when the character was written that way. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, okay, we're just erasing that right now. Yep. I can see why that would be frustrating.
1: On the other side of that, though, I love Chloe Grace Moretz. And so... <laughs> oh,
0: I didn't know she was in the... Did they remake the it? newer one. Oh, okay.
1: Yep. I really enjoyed watching her. I
0: love her. <laughs> She's fantastic. Okay, now I'm intrigued. Now, see, you get me I'm Sorry. With- <laughs> pique my interest with the concept and then <laughs> i love that actress and i do i've heard a lot of things about the original movie as well is that which one do you find more accurate to the book
1: oh well it's been a while since i've um watched or read hmm. i would have to say they're about the same oh, honestly really? and just in my opinion i felt the same amount of nitpickiness <laughs> and i don't know
0: did, do you think the new one improved on the original? Like, if someone were going to watch only one of these, which one would you recommend more?
1: I would probably just have to recommend the new one because old movies, I I mean, they're not as good quality. <laughs> but isn't that, like, part of the charm, too? <laughs> Maybe for some people. Yeah. <laughs> not for this person.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> All right. What's your spook rating?
1: <laughs> My spook rating for Carrie is... Seven out of ten high school murderers. Oh. <laughs> I did. The worst of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did have six originally, but thinking back to how gory mm. it got, I think I had You're to change it, a it to bit. a seven. Seven.
0: Alright, I've been putting off (laughs) talking about the first book that I read this month, but it was originally the one that intrigued me the most on all the lists of new horror books that have come out in recent years. So it's The City Beautiful by Aidan Polidorus, which is like a weird genre bend of like historical fiction, fantasy horror mystery, (laughs) and it includes like a bunch of Jewish folklore, which is really interesting. I learned a lot, and it actually fulfills challenge number 24 of my Read Harder um, list, which is pick challenge from any of the previous years to repeat, so I chose last year's list, number 19, Read a Historical Fiction with a Person of Color or LGBTQ Protagonist, So generally when I'm, you know, looking at the sorts of books that I gravitate towards when they're really spooky, I don't generally go towards the really graphic, gory ones. I tend to go towards more, like, gothic things. So this book really scratched that itch for me. It's probably one of the most, like, luxurious reads I've had in the last couple of years and the setting is 1893 Chicago, during the World's Fair, and it's told from the perspective of Alter Rosen, who's a young Jewish-Romanian immigrant, and he is possessed by his closest friend, Yaakov, following his untimely murder, and while dealing with the trauma of his father's death and struggling with the secret desires that he harbors. Alter dives into the seedy Chicago underbelly with an unexpected person from his past in attempt to set Yaakov's spirit right and uncover the truth about where and why Jewish boys are disappearing from Maxwell Street. And I did want to include a content warning for this one. I told Scout when we were gonna start doing this uh, that I hated anything to do with serial killers. Or bad things happening to children and then the book that i picked out had both of those things and i was like i just shot myself in the foot but <laughs> um i was like so excited and intrigued by the setting and the promise of an lgbtq storyline in a genre that is lacking in it uh, yeah. and there we're getting more of that in recent years which is really exciting But just before you check this one out, just know that there are warnings for sexual assault and rape, lots of anti-Semitism, but, you know, not on the part of the author, just as part of the setting, because that was common in that time, and he took a lot of inspiration from Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, which is an extremely gory classic about the... Uh, slaughterhouse industry in Chicago, so lots of <laughs> lots of gory details there. But this book is still a young adult fiction novel, so it's a little bit vaguer in terms of details than I think it would be if it was written for adults. I was I'm really like sensitive to that kind of stuff, but I was able to enjoy the reading experience regardless. So pro tip that is incredibly helpful (laughs) is that there's a glossary in the back of the book. And I did not discover this until I was 100 pages in and had already spent like every other page Googling a word or two of like the the Jewish or the Yiddish like terminology, which he does a good job of sort of cluing you into what it means. But it was helpful to (laughs) once I discovered (laughs) this. Yes. So know that there's a glossary. And I love the characters that accompany Alter. So his former partner in crime, Frankie, and his radical journalist friend, Rachel, are really surprising and charming characters. Um, So ghostly possession is like a common horror trope, but the author takes the tropes roots back to Jewish mythology and uses uh, the concept of a die book, which is a malicious possessing spirit, which is believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person that leaves the host body once it has accomplished its goal, usually after an exorcism. Um, but the relationship between the die book and alter's journeys coming to terms with his sexuality is really intriguing. Like it's so, (laughs) it's so cool. (laughs) And just in reading and researching for this episode, I realized that one of the reasons that I find myself intrigued by horror and thrillers, despite my scaredy-cat nature, (laughs) is that lots of the horror and thriller tropes and genres are deeply entwined with desire, otherness, the human experience of suffering or loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is, of course, the random spirit who's mad for no reason, but that's usually <laughs> not the case. The more majority of the time these things are happening because someone endured a great deal of pain, either mentally, emotionally, physically, and the power of their suffering has caused something to manifest that must be healed in order to let it go. And horror has always had roots in talking about what it means to be other. What I find particularly moving about the horror and thriller novels that have been coming out in the last couple of years is how authors are using the tropes of the genre to explicitly discuss the experience of moving through the world as a person of color, member of the LGBTQ community, or a person with a disability. And I think that it's awesome that it's not just subtext anymore. You can't really gloss over it. It is the explicit focus. And I think that's taking a genre that is really emotionally stirring and making it more accessible to people who maybe don't know what it's like to experience life in that way. I found this book more emotional <laughs> than scary, although it does have its moments and lots of, like, suspenseful, tense moments, but I don't think it... its Very scary. (laughs) So my spook rating is probably like six out of ten ghost possessions. (laughs) So I highly recommend that one. It's probably my favorite one that I've read this month.
1: And I have just started it, so I'm excited to dive in.
0: I'm excited to talk to you about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a perfect novel. There are things that I would change about it, but I'm really excited to see what you think of it.
1: It has drawn me in in only the first chapter and I usually know whether or not a book's going to work within the first couple chapters, so that's promising. Heck yeah.
0: I've been talking long enough, so it's your turn for another one.
1: All right, so I am going to recommend The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. Of course, when you look at any lists for what to read next on The subject of horror books, you will probably find the Amityville horror. And so I did a search in our system and was very shocked to find that it was in our nonfiction section. (laughs) So I snagged it from the shelf and I dove in. So a little bit about this book. In 1974, in the town of Amityville, New York, Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family in their sleep. Shortly after, the Letts family purchased the home at an understandably reduced price. Soon, they began to experience paranormal activity, personality changes, and a strained newlywed marriage. They want to keep their home, but they also want to keep their children safe and happy. I think that this read was interesting just because people made these claims in real life. hmm Regardless of the question of whether or not all of these paranormal things actually happened, the murders definitely did. Mm-hmm. You can Google search it. You're going to find all this information, <laughs> trial information, pictures, mm. gory pictures. So
0: be <laughs> <Beware>. warned. Yep.
1: <laughs> While the murders alone are sad and horrific, uh, it definitely does bring an extra creep factor to the book to know that that did happen. Yeah. For this one, I read the book first and mm-hmm. then I watched both the movies again. Oh, I didn't know there were movies.
0: Of there it. are That's two. That's
1: surprising. <laughs> uh, the popular one being the older movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that one was good. I uh, think it stayed pretty true to the book. Mm. The newer movie is also good, just not so many of the same details. They changed quite a bit. Mm. But the book overall is very unnerving. Just how do you explain mm-hmm. green slime coming out of the walls? Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to read that in a fiction novel and another to be reading literally a nonfiction book. where right. People are saying this happened to me and how, you know, I don't know where I stand on <laughs> on the astral plane. Uh, <laughs> but like, I'm not opposed to believing in it. But I also like don't. I feel like once you open yourself up to that, that's when the weird stuff starts. Happening. <laughs> and I don't want to open myself up to that. I do not claim this energy.
1: <laughs> right? Well, I am skeptical mm-hmm. of a lot of things that I read or yeah, watch um, when it comes to paranormal. But I would also love to believe. Yeah. So (laughs) if there is a child roaming the house that we cannot see, but my children can, I think I would take their word for it. I think I would too. (laughs) I don't think I would be messing around with that. Which is one of the things that happened to the youngest daughter in this book.
0: Well, and you do have to consider like, like we were talking about the powerful energy of this extremely horrible. Horrifying incident. Like, how does that not affect on some level the atmosphere? Like, I'm
1: in the very least, you are aware of it. Yeah. And you're going to be on edge. Yeah. Whether or not anything. Did they know? Oh, yeah. They knew. Oh, really? Did they
0: move there because this happened? (laughs) Because there are some people that, you know, seek it out (laughs) looking at you, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) guilty. (laughs) They moved there because they wanted they were newlywed and they mm. wanted a larger home for mm. their family uh, they had 3 children and a dog oh my God. and so they needed the space and she loved it he didn't love the price but he thought that they could manage mm. and it was in a nice neighborhood it was a really nice house had a little boathouse oh and gosh. um so they just they went for it they didn't really think anything of the history. How would you? Because <laughs> you have to disclose if someone has been... Yeah, I think you do. Yeah. That's super inter-
0: That's the interesting part to me. Why would you decide to move there after this horrible thing happened?
1: But... I don't know that I would willingly move to a house with a high-profile
0: mm-hmm. murder Definitely not.
1: <laughs> involved. Maybe something a little less. Yeah, I mean... I don't mind a little creep factor, but Family Murders a Bit Much.
0: <laughs> There's the title of the episode, <laughs> Family Murders a Bit Much. That's where I draw the line.
1: <laughs> okay, spook rating. Spook rating for the Amityville horror, just because it is based off of maybe true events, uh, Questionable. 7 out of 10 hauntings. I'm haunted by (laughs) this
0: (laughs) and also weirdly intrigued. So maybe I do understand. (laughs) Okay. So my next suggestion, I'm sure there will be lots of people who love classics who are tired of me recommending new books. Um, (laughs) And uh, when we decided to do horror for this podcast, I knew that I was obligated to bring up H.P. Lovecraft, um, if only to save my own skin because my older brother Spencer has been obsessed with this author for as long as I can remember, and he would kill me if I didn't mention him. So (laughs) if you're unfamiliar, which I'm sure there's the Lovecraft Country TV show, so I think He's been getting more attention in the last couple of years. Yes. But he was an American author of horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So Lovecraft is widely revered as one of the most influential writers of the 20th century, as well as the father of cosmic horror, which explores the insignificance of human existence in comparison to a vast universe, which is one of the things that scares me the most. Same. So... <laughs> I'm already scared Um, and I think it's really it's ironic that Lovecraft was really influenced by Edgar Allan Poe obviously and yet neither one of them really enjoyed much success in life they only gained real recognition and revere for their writing after they died which is really sad to me because they both have had massive influences on works Even to this day Mm -hmm. in literature, film, video games, uh, comic books, music, even tabletop games like Dungeons and Dragons include lots of Lovecraftian um, elements. And so many of the horror, fantasy, and science fiction giants in literature cite Lovecraft among their greatest influences. And we've already talked about two of them, Stephen King and Neil Gaiman, have both spoken about Lovecraft, but other big names include Ray Bradbury, Robert E. Howard, Peter Straub, George R.R. Martin, Thomas Ligotti, Alan Moore, Robert Block, and Guillermo del Toro. So, if you're familiar with any of them and you enjoy those, you'd probably like Lovecraft as well. He's most well-known for The Call of Cthulhu and the Cthulhu mythos, Um, but I wanted... The real skinny on Lovecraft, the deep cuts, if you will. (laughs) So I consulted the world's foremost expert and Spencer recommended a few of his favorite short stories. Um, So he and my twin sister Savannah and I are going to do a sibling read this month. And we're going to read The Shadows Over Innsmouth, which is, according to Spencer, one of the most quintessential short stories. We're also going to read The Festival, which um, terrified my brother, which makes me really scared to read it. <laughs> but he, he says that it's really vivid, um, and he, you know, you, it's one of those where you feel like it's happening to you, so that's gonna be fun, and Spencer's favorite is The Color Out of Space, which I think they made into a movie in, like, 2019, so depending on how scary that is maybe i'll check it out Mm -hmm. um and then spencer says that it's a recommendation for librarians to read the haunter in the dark so very intrigued by that one noted (laughs) so spencer gave a spook rating of seven so i'm immediately going to up it by one at least um and say that it's Eight out of ten existential crises. Because I'm sure I'll be having one after reading these. So, looking forward to that. <laughs> Had you heard of H.P. Lovecraft? Yes. I'm not surprised you <laughs> did.
1: I have not read any, admittedly, but I, haven't either yet. I do have people close to me who have talked about, "Hey, you should read this."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. AKA, what Spencer's been telling me for years, and I just haven't done it.
1: (laughs) You know what? I will maybe add a couple of his recommendations to my list. All right. Let me round out my list with. One final Stephen King. <laughs> He's
0: got to come back one more time. One it's more the, time. The killer comes back for one final hurrah.
1: <laughs> All right. This one is Night Shift. And Night Shift is a collection of short stories, and I thoroughly enjoyed every single one. Mm, we weird. have <laughs> sentient semi trucks, man eating rats, <laughs> murderous laundry machines, <laughs> and so much more. This book is good if you want a quick scare rather than a long read. I've probably taken a year, give or take, to read it, and it was perfect for when all I needed was a short, spine-chilling story. I will say, content warning for Victoria. Oh, thank you. <laughs> one of the short stories does uh, paint a pretty vivid picture of a child death. and That one actually okay. did stick with me.
0: Okay, I'm avoiding that.
1: (laughs) Yep, I could get a title for you. Um,
0: Yes. (laughs) I'm intrigued by The Laundry Machine. I kind of need to know what happens, unless it's that one.
1: (laughs) No, it's not that one, and it's probably the one that stands out the most in the book (laughs) for me. I really enjoyed that. I actually brought this book with me to Arizona, and (laughs) I learned on that trip that my mom was also a huge Stephen King fan when she was young. Oh, my gosh. And so I kind of helped her get back into reading some Stephen King. Ah, that's awesome. Pushed it towards her when I took a nap. (laughs) And she was able to give me some more recommendations on him, too. So it was kind of cool to have that um, common interest that I wasn't aware of before.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: I actually just finished this collection a few days ago in oh. preparation for the podcast. So, I'm glad that I finally got through it, but it's probably one of my favorites so far.
0: Sweet. Is it a long book or
1: It is somewhat long. But again, since you can just kind yeah, of you can pick read up and, and go, go it's yeah. it's not too bad. So, it's traveled with me quite a bit.
0: <laughs> it's seen the world.
1: Yes. <laughs> A popular one included in this book is also Children of the Corn, Mm. which, you know, we've all heard of it. Yes. Hadn't read it until now. And I'm kind of eager to watch the movie. (laughs) I think I'm
0: out on that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely not your... Cup of tea? Yeah, definitely not your cup of tea. But it is yours. (laughs) It is mine. So I will give this book a spook reading eight out of ten creepy crawlies for those rats
0: <laughs> did you have a favorite
1: um story in it it was definitely the ones with the laundry, the machine. laundry machine i just <laughs> that thing was relentless and you didn't need power for it which oh was one of the issues oh <laughs> i'm intrigued <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm scared to read this one a little bit because Stephen King calls it a nerve shredder on the cover, (laughs) but Meredith recommended it, and Meredith has yet to lead me astray on a book, and she is not someone who reads horror usually, and she was just like, picked this book up. We got it last year in September, and she loved it, and I love everything that she recommends me, so... (laughs) It's The Last House on Needless Street by Katriana Ward, and we actually just got her newest book in this month, so that one's called Little Eve. Meredith's gonna read that one right away, of course, but as soon as she's done, it'll be here at Odell. (laughs) So, Last House on Needless Street. I haven't read this book yet. It is next on my list after Lovecraft. Meredith also told me when she was recommending it, she was like, It gets really weird. I hope that's okay. And I was like, Obviously, it's okay because I'm weird and weird is good. <laughs> so, but the inside cover is so intriguing. So it says, In a boarded up house on a dead end street at the edge of the wild Washington woods lives a family of three a teenage girl who isn't allowed outside, not after last time, a man who drinks alone in front of his TV trying to ignore the gaps in his memory, and a house cat who loves napping and reading the Bible. Wow. (laughs) An unspeakable secret binds them together, but when a new neighbor moves in next door, what is buried among the birch trees may come back to haunt them all. The last house on Needless Street is an immersive and shocking journey that will keep you guessing until the last page. I am so intrigued. Mostly by the cat.
1: (laughs) Yes. I think I'm going to read that one. Heck
0: yeah. Maybe we should read it together. Ooh. (laughs) A little read-along with Scout
1: and Victoria. book club.
0: Yes. (laughs) So I asked Meredith what spook rating she would give it, and she said 7 out of 10. So I'm calling it 7 out of 10 creepy old houses because
1: it sounds pretty creepy to me. (laughs) Who doesn't love a creepy old house?
0: Who doesn't? okay so i think that's all of our recommendations but i did also want to give a quick shout out to the maquokada public library in iowa katie sent scout and i this amazing page on their website and it is a scarabian page (laughs) and it's so well done so impressive oh they had so much fun with that i'm sure like they even they put pictures of all the like settings and the books that they're talking about and like the amenities included are like creepy children uh (laughs) diseased animals i don't know it's amazing (laughs) so i'll leave the link in the show notes for that as well highly recommend checking it out Okay, so I also thought it would be fun this month to recommend some literary Halloween costumes because it's the perfect intersection of our job and what we're reading this month. <laughs> so, Halloween is actually on a Monday and we will be open, and I will be in costume <laughs> when I'm working. So, you should come in in your Halloween costume as well. Maybe I'll smuggle in a bag of candy. <laughs>
1: I might
0: come by. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I'll give you candy. <laughs> okay. My suggestions. I was trying to go for like easy ones other than mine is kind of um, difficult to do last minute unless you have. Uh, okay. I'm ju- I'll. I'm going to be Frodo Baggins for Halloween. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yes, I bought Hobbit ears.
1: <laughs> now I really have to come into the library. <laughs>
0: If you have, like, a green blanket you can use as a cloak, like, maybe some trousers, like, rolled up at the knee, mm-hmm. like, a white button-up shirt, and, of course, a gold ring on a chain around your neck. You're golden. Yeah. Cur- curl your hair. <laughs> uh, get your hairy toes out. <laughs> yeah. Grab some food, because, obviously, hobbits are always eating. And uh, you can travel with me to Mordor. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Going with C- Coraline in the movie, she wears like a yellow raincoat and yellow boots and uh, like an orange striped shirt. You could do her hair if you have like a blue wig, mm-hmm. but <laughs> and she has like a barrette that she always wears. You could carry around some buttons. <laughs> yeah. And then my other suggestion was Arthur, like from the children's show and the books by Mark Brown. That one's super easy. You just need some like blue jeans, like a white collared shirt under like a yellow sweater, red sneakers if you have them, maybe some round glasses, which I have. That was going to be my other thing. You could do your hair in like little space buns for the ears. (laughs) That'd be so cute. And you can carry around your library card. Because having fun isn't hard when you have a library card. Wow,
1: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I'm a
0: nerd. <laughs> so mine were pretty like conventional, but
1: <laughs> as far as if we're trying to tie Arthur into horror, <laughs> every parent will understand how awful it is to listen to that show. Oh my! God. It's almost as bad as Caillou. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <the>
0: shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur is nothing compared to Caillou. <laughs> Maybe that's just my opinion on all kids'
1: shows, but.
0: That's an element I didn't, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't understand. Uh,
1: <laughs> One of my Halloween costume suggestions would probably be based off of a very popular children's series Ooh. right now Wings of Fire. Oh. So my own son loves those books. Actually, yes. both of them do, but. <laughs> My one particular child really loves anything that can be violent. (laughs) It's just his nature. And so last year he went as a dragon and it was the cutest. It was a very simple costume. We got a green scale print cape ooh, (laughs) and we found some green wings that we... (laughs) Managed to cut holes into the cape. So his wings were, you know, coming out of the cape and That's attached to amazing. his back. <laughs> and then we just got a simple green shirt with like a reptile belly print <laughs> on the front. And that was his costume. He oh. was so happy. Oh. So that would be. That's a really good one. A good, easy one. And super cute.
0: And you can carry around a Wings of Fire book with you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can read like
0: it while you're trick or treating.
1: <laughs> a Dragon plushie. Ooh,
0: yeah. That's a really good one. Okay, so this month, for once, I probably won't make Meredith cry with uh, the poem that I read, so that'll be nice. Happy Halloween, Meredith. I love you. <laughs> so. This month's these verses, I wanted to recommend some creepy-ish poems. So my recommendations are All Hallows by Louise Gluck, Field of Skulls by Mary Carr, Theme in Yellow by Carl Sandburg, This Living Hand Now Warm and Capable by John Keats, and The Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti and you can find all of those in full on the Poetry Foundation website. So I'll leave that link in the show notes as well. So I'm going to read a poem that I wrote last year. I tried to write a poem every day for Halloween last year. That didn't really go very well, but I wrote several, which is better than nothing. So the prompt for that day was nightmare, and um, if you know me, you, <laughs> you probably have heard that I sometimes have horrible nightmares, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I had lots of fodder for that, um, so I wrote a poem about this dream that I had, literally just one dream, and I it wouldn't end, so <laughs> terrifying. Um Enjoy. <laughs> These Dream Theater by Victoria Horn. Victoria keeps having nightmares. If this were your average horror film or an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there would be a distinct evil lurking, a hell creature spawning, a big bad that could explain the scaries stalking her in her sleep. But dreams don't always have an explanation. While she's nightmaring, Victoria will wonder if she will die in this one. She hears the rumble of sound effects on the other side of her subconscious, a kaiju film. Victoria feels safe when she starts dancing the rumba with Bang Chan. He holds her so close she can still feel the heat of his body when she wakes up, but she doesn't wake up yet. She won't wake up until the end of this REM cycle and this REM cycle is just getting started. If this were a VHS tape, the back would read, V will fight to survive a couple making out in Barnes & Noble, several skeletons buried beneath the library, a brother who is not her real brother trying to murder her, a former Sunday school teacher forcing her to beat his daughter, and a crowded buffet during the height of the pandemic. If she wants to live, she will have to survive the horrors of her own sick subconscious. But this is not a movie. This is just a dream. Victoria will wake up. She will wonder why she keeps having such sprawling manic nightmares, but she will laugh about it. She will make herself an egg sandwich, go for a drive and an iced oat milk latte, come back and tell her parents about her dreams. It will be disturbed, but they will love her anyway. All right, so I think that about does it for this episode. Thank you so much, Scout, for joining me on this episode. I rate this experience 10 out of 10 moments where I have to hide my face in your shoulder because I'm scared. (laughs)
1: Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome back
0: anytime. Thanks. (laughs) So if you have questions or suggestions for future episodes of the podcast, you can email us at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. And until next time, I hope you've enjoyed your time Between Between the Stacks. Stacks. This episode of Between the Stacks was produced by Victoria Horn and written in collaboration with Scout Jones big ups to Scout for guest hosting this month, and a special thanks to the Odell Public Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. A hearty cheers to all of our lovely patrons who support the library, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. To edit. <laughs> November
1: 5th. Did I say that? You said September fifth. Oh God. <laughs> Are you gonna do the? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> Are you gonna do yours? I'm going okay, to... I'll do it then. <laughs> the rodents of unusual size. <laughs> <laughs> you.
0: I'm such a dork.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, <you're fine. laughs> Katie asked me when she was looking through the script. She goes, "Redacted for surprise factor." You guys are so funny, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know what that is." Oh no! <laughs> are you hooked already? Um, <clears throat> I got a lot of phlegm. It's okay. Go <laughs> I'm for sorry. it. Sorry.
0: List of people I don't know. Ooh. In a really creepy way. I love it. <laughs> I feel like kids would. They would know. What is happening? <laughs> maybe i'll try it's again next name. year <laughs> i'm not doing well savannah will be disappointed that i don't talk about the one that references buffy me up next you oh hi <laughs> it's okay <laughs> we're almost done why am i like this <laughs>
1: Do you need to stop looking at you no you're fine see i don't even know
0: redemption for me
1: <laughs> that was cute <laughs> bravo <laughs> thank you Thank you.